Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Each week, our hosts will be interviewing local, regional, and national business leaders to give you an inside peek into how they lead their business to success in the ever-competitive business climate. Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Today, I have another special guest, Veronica Romney. She is a dream team architect helping online entrepreneurs dial in their human resources, develop phenomenal company cultures, and profitable bottom lines. Who doesn't like that? She's a former speaker and trainer for Tony Robbins and Dean Graziosi and the former chief of staff of mega, mega brand Boss Babe. She's no stranger to the stage and has been in the online marketing world for over 13 years. Having been featured in places like Forbes, Inc., HuffPost, and more when she's not helping her visionary clients scale to eight figures plus, you can find her wrangling her two man cubs in the beautiful oak trees of North Carolina. Veronica, welcome to the show. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. Yeah. Um, before we get into what you do, tell us a bit more about how you got here. Uh, your background, I, I would love to know if you grew up in a family entrepreneurs, if it was yeah. the opposite and that's what drove you to it. And then what are these man cubs? No, I am certainly the product of my upbringing and my parents are Cuban immigrants who came to this country with nothing and have now been um, business owners of an air conditioning company in South Florida for over 30 years. I am the oldest, so I was very much front row witness to the grind, the good years, the very, very bad years and all the things in between. So I, as much as I was succeeding in the corporate route, I had that kind of the call of the wild within and I knew eventually it would overcome me that I would also follow that kind of endeavor of entrepreneurship. But it wasn't until I had my first man cub that I'm like, okay, I would like to center my life around my family and not my job. And so that's where entrepreneurship was really beneficial for a female who is as ambitious as I am. Yeah, that's great. Uh, I would love to a little, little, just to pry a little bit further, if that's okay, about the Cuban parents. That's a, yeah. that's a, that's a new one to me because I just hadn't read that in your background or anything. Sure. Um, so were they political refugees, uh, you know, escaping communism and, and moving here for the capitalism? <laughs> for sure. Um, so my mom is, she came during the Mariel lift. Um, she wasn't a Peter Pan kid, but like she came with her parents and her brother. <clears throat> But she certainly came because she didn't, her family didn't align with what was happening. And then my dad actually had to go through Costa Rica for two years to get the proper paperwork to then come to the United States. And both stories is just because they did not align with the regime at the time mm -hmm. um, and sought out freedom and freedom of choice and freedom of, you know, all the things that you'd want to provide your future generations in the United States. Yeah. What do you, what do you, what's your take on, so if your family was fleeing for those reasons yes. and then um, for those reasons and then be, being such entrepreneurs and, and hard workers when they got here and seeing yeah. the freedom that we have. And now we have a new generation that's sort of sympathetic to mm -hmm. a sort of a regime like that. Does that bug you in any way? And, and of course. Ever, yeah. Of course. Yeah. And I, 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 by no means do I want to get in any kind of political debate here, but yeah, I think for us, certainly for myself and my parents, they're of all the values. I mean, we have very strongly held values, but of all of the values that we hold dear, freedom being number one for sure. And so um, also you have to remember too that, you know, the dictators in Cuba didn't call themselves communists. They right. call themselves socialists. So 
anything that smells of that or anything that uh, appears of that is immediately interpreted as the appearance of evil for sure. Um, so yes, freedom, which again, I think, which is why a lot of entrepreneurs also chase the unknown because it's the, the chase and the promise of financial freedom, time freedom, freedom of choice to do with what you want, with who you want, when you want. So I think there's a lot of similarities in entrepreneurship and also our beliefs and core values for sure. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, so you talked about you're starting your career in corporate and then I would love to know what, at what point did you decide like, okay, now I'm going to transition and to do what yeah. you do now. Well, I wish I was gutsy enough to just do it cold turkey. I was certainly not. So I was very much the side hustler mm-hmm. <laughs> for a number of years as an overlap. So I had I had a number of like little random websites where I would sell bulk candy and I would do this and I would do that. And I would flex my SEO muscle, my PPC skills. Like I was a marketer that was like doing the things at home. But it wasn't until I started a digital marketing agency where I was a service provider at the same time that I was still a director uh, at a company who's, who is now worth $2 billion and more. It's insane. And it wasn't really until the agency had gotten to about 600000 in revenue where I'm like, I cannot do both. Like this is, I was flying out once a month. I had two very small little man cubs, two little boys that I call man cubs because they're half naked at the time. <laughs> okay, that's where that comes uh, from. I yes. was wondering, yeah. yeah. Well, because if you listen to the Jungle Book, he calls him a man cub. Yeah. He's just, right? So that's my boys are man cubs. Um, but it really wasn't until that where I like, I really had to choose because there's this really great quote that like the man that chases two rabbits catches none. So I was chasing two careers. One as an entrepreneur, one is like, you know, a corporate rising star. And I had literally two children and I was like, I'm dying. So yeah, I eventually like let go and did full time. Yeah. Well, everybody, I mean, to be fair to you, like, I don't know if I would have taken our leap unless we got laid off during the great recession and pushed sure. him to shove. I mean, everybody's got their, their reason for holding back. Right. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit more about the, uh, how, how does one, if someone contacts you, how do they build a dream team for their business? You know, oh, unpack, the, unpack that phrase for me. Yeah. Well, I started my career, Mark. I've, I mean, I've very, I've been a very consistent person. Like I, I knew I was going to do into, go into business because my parents are business owners. So business was always the orientation. And then I just kind of found my way through the business world. It was, certainly wasn't going to be an accountant and it wasn't going to be in finance with a spreadsheet and a cubicle for years and years, too much personality. So I fell in love with marketing and the study of marketing and the craft of marketing. And then that has taken me to where I am today. And really, I think the big, if you've ever read the book, um, The Big Leap, Yes. Um, oh my gosh. Life changer. And I don't say that lightly because I don't really like believe in the woo woo too much, to be honest, probably it's my Cuban practicality here, but there's certainly something true to be said when it comes to your proficiency and your competence versus your excellence and genius. And I think that was the big question. I kind of did the nesting dolls exercise. Like, why do I love marketing? Well, I love being with marketers. Okay. Well, why do I like being with marketers? Well, I just love executing really cool stuff with really smart creatives. Okay. What, what about working with them? Do I like, Oh, I like leading them. Like all this, it just was this kind of the why exercise, the seven levels deep kind of exercise. And so for me, dream team architect was a title appointed to me by a former employee in a marketing department who told me, you know, her name's Ash. She's like, Veronica, like you are a dream team architect. You architect this epic marketing department that had changed hands seven different times in less than a year. And she's like, and they were drowning, right? So it comes from that. And I have worked in a really long time with a lot of online personalities, online oriented businesses, constructing their teams, building departments from scratch, personally leading the departments, you know? So it really comes from a place of complete understanding both 
as a recipient of that construct, but also being a visionary and constructing it myself for teams and other clients' teams too. What, what, what do you say, what would you say is the difference between being an owner and an operator within your business? Heaven's sakes. It's the difference between growing and scaling. I think everybody like there's a, there's this big confusion. I feel like there's, there's a huge difference between growing a company and scaling a company, right? Growing a company is you're just adding all the things, adding people, adding products, adding this, like it's when you go online and you see somebody and they're launching a brand new product for the 15th time in a year, you're like, how are you operationally holding 15 different products and not having these enormous drag? That's a growing company. that's still trying to find itself. And you're going to be in the thick of it because you literally have 15 babies that you need to take care of, which are your products. And they're all different and they're serving different people, solving different problems. Like it's insane. Mm -hmm. Scaling company is way past that. They're not trying to add more things to the like mix. They're trying to just scale what, what they have that is super validated. I mean, their flag is planted. They're in a blue ocean kind of mentality and they're just trying to get more in the same you know, babies are the same products as opposed to adding more things. So like a lot of people will get to about seven figures, about 1.5, about 2 million. All of a sudden they feel everything's breaking again. It's because they've gotten to that place by adding, not being smart and subtracting and scaling. And so that's really where I come in is when you're like, I've hit this level of success and I do not feel successful. I want to burn it to the ground. What the hell? That's usually when I get the phone call. That's interesting. Um, I really like that you actually put hard numbers to it too. And I'm sure you've got some metrics behind those. I have lots of metrics behind all of this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, What are the three pillars behind a successful dream teams and hiring A players? Oh, goodness. Gosh. Okay. Here's just Veronica's TED Talk philosophy. And I'm just going to be real straight with you because this is what I have found that works for me. But then when I apply this to how I hire or retain or promote, it has always served me very well. So it's just my compass. So my compass goes along the lines of like, there are three core pillars why people stay or they go. And at any point, if any of these three pillars are in jeopardy, let's say they're a yellow light or an orange flag or a pink flag, like we have a problem because now you have a flight risk or you have somebody who can easily turn into a locker room lawyer and spread negativity amongst the rest. So for me, number one, do you actually have a passion for what you do? Like you like the thing that you do when you are in isolation. Like I like writing or I like deploying emails or I like ads. Like what do you actually like when surrounded by no one and you are isolated? Number two, now comes the people components we're social creatures. Do you like doing what you love to do with the people next to you or for you? And I have certainly been in jobs where I loved the thing I was doing and hated my boss and had to get the hell out, right? So do you enjoy the people that you are next to or you're working for? And then the third pillar has always been for me, do I feel like I'm getting paid fairly for the passion and, the, and the, my contributions that I'm lending to you? Let's be very clear, right? So like, do I like what I do? Do I like who I work for? And do I like what I get paid? And if any moment those three things are in pill, like in, in any kind of jeopardy, we have a flight risk. And if in the interview process, if you ignore those flags and you have happy ears when you are hiring, you're going to have a turnover within six months. And that's just very costly and very stupid. How do you, okay. <clears throat> What is one tip you would give somebody that is hiring then so they don't have happy ears? Like, do you have any kind of, maybe there's like a top three thing there. 
Yes. Um, so, and I, if, if your audience, if you're the CEO, the founder, the visionary on this, listening to this podcast, you by far will always hire with happy ears because it's in our nature to vision cast, not just for the company, but for the people in the company. And mm-hmm. I see this time and time again, where they'll be interviewing a candidate, a candidate will say something off and like, oh yeah, I really like, I have a passion for this. And all of a sudden the visionary is like, oh I know I'm hiring for X, but you just said that you like Y and now you can do X and Y for me. And we, and like all of a sudden they start dream casting something beyond the need of the hire and what the person actually has a passion for sometimes. So yes, biggest tip I can give you is when you're asking somebody what their aspirations are, don't give them an option. Like sometimes people take them Mm. to like a window of possibility. Like, don't you love this ocean? Mm -hmm. But maybe the person's dream is mountains. Like, so if you're going to take somebody to the window and go, Hey, describe to me your aspiration, your future aspirations for your career. Don't give them options. Just be quiet and let them tell you. And if their personal aspirations match the aspirations of the company, you have a win. Yeah. I like that. Why, why, why trick yourself into spoon feeding them sort of this answer yes. that's going to be mutually beneficial. Yes. Hmm. Um, how does one complement their business vision with the perfect who plus how? Oh, okay. So this is where I know what you're saying this is, so here's my, again, personal belief system, but I feel like as, as a founder of the company, your primary responsibility should be to dictate where the company is going and why very Simon Sinek here, right? Like why, but also where, And then you really should surround yourself with leaders that you trust to determine how you do that and who gets to help you do that. And this is where I feel like visionaries are, this is where it's hard to let go. Like, you know, in the book, Traction, Letting Go of the Vine, it's really difficult to let go because you've had to do the why, the where, the who, and the how. But again, the difference between a growing company and a scaling company is the scaling company will have leaders that can take the burden off your shoulders to determine how we get there and who on the bus needs to be on the bus to get us to that destination that you have pinpointed for all of us, right? So that's to me a big distinction between a scaling company and a growing company between leaders and founders is that discipline of who gets to decide what for the business. Beautiful. Um, let's go back to hiring one more time, if we could. Sure. What's what is what's your process for hiring and building? Let's say an amazing team, a dream team, if you will. Yeah. So it depends. I have a pretty thorough process when I hire, but it depends if I'm hiring a doer. Then if I'm hiring somebody who's in like their hands, their help, their Swiss Army knives, like they're here to like help me do some really cool stuff. And they're mostly individual contributors and you're going to have a lot of test projects as part of your hiring process. It's, we're not even, I mean, personality is always important. I'm not saying that it's not, but your ability to execute is the most important to me. And that will be determined not by what you say you can do, but by an actual paid test project that I'm happy to pay. And it has very tight parameters. I'll give you two hours to do the initial uh, project. I will then submit you feedback and then you're allotted another hour to implement the feedback to measure that as well. So that's the doer interview process. When hiring leaders, it's not, you're not hiring a, an expensive doer. You're hiring a strategic thinker and a people manager. So obviously getting references of people they've managed before is 
uber critical, but I ask some pretty very specific questions. Like, so how do you manage your team? What cadence and rhythm do you like to run? How do you hold your department? How many meetings do you believe is efficient for a department? Like really specific questions because people will give you their philosophies of leadership. I don't want to know your philosophies of leadership. I want to know how you actually lead and how you manage your team with specific examples. So depends and what we're hiring for will change the interview process. What if you're hiring somebody with no experience, somebody just out of school who actually doesn't even know the software you need to have them produce? And, and you maybe you have training in, in place for that. How do you test them at that point? Yes. So, okay. So sometimes the test is your process to completing the test more than the actual submission, if that makes sense. It does. So when you're hiring completely green people, I almost measure their approach to the test and whether or not they ask follow-up questions, whether or not, like I, I want to see, so sometimes I'll actually ask them to record a loom. It's like a, it's like a math, like my son's, an, he's eight. It's like so much, you know, you get points for how you did the math uh, equation. So you actually have to like outline all the steps and you get points up until you get that one step wrong more than you get points, whether or not the answers black or white, incorrect. It's the same idea when you're having a completely green person, it's their approach to the test more than the results of the test that matter. I like that. That was good. You're good. Okay, uh, <laughs> what is your best advice uh, for employees or, or people? So, but we have a lot of people that we have a very big audience here and it's sure. uh, it's all the way from those type of people, students. We have a lot of students. So let's say they're students or entry level people listening. What kind of advice would you give them um, when they get to the point where they want to jump into management? They want to lead teams. They want to become a leader. Um, what, what, what would you help them out with? Okay. So the first, you're not gonna like this answer. <laughs> I'm just gonna put it out there. You loved the other one before, not this one, but this one isn't, let me just, let me just say this. I have a, I get real, I get, I want to say this. I get very passionate about this because I feel like majority of the people that desire management is not because they enjoy people managing, but because they enjoy the compensation increase that comes with managing others. And I fundamentally do not think or believe that your desire for management should at all be correlated with how much you get paid. Okay. It's like parenting. All right. It's not easy, but I love my kids, but it's not easy. It's the same idea. Like when you're managing human beings, you're taking on their personal lives. You're taking on, you know, whether or not they have uh, ADHD, if they have issues at home, like there's so many, there's so many things that go into managing human beings from all walks of life. You have to genuinely love people and mentoring people. If I hear from a leader, they're like, oh, I'm just having to handhold too much. I'm like, then you've missed the point of leadership. Like it's not handholding. What, you, what you're saying is that they need more high touch training, right? It's not handholding. You're feeling like it's a burden by describing it as handholding. That's also your overall attitude or attitude towards people management in general. So if somebody's coming to us and saying, I have a desire for people management, the first question I'm going to ask is why? And it better be a good answer. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I mean, really. The, and so you know, said I wasn't going to like that, but, I, but that, was, that was an interesting twist. I wouldn't have expected that. That's, I think, my feedback about that one. Not that you were looking for it. Um, <laughs> but we have people... I mean, it's really interesting to try to even just identify those folks before they maybe even ask for the yeah. compensation um, and whether they can do it or not. The only thing I might disagree with is like, you have to like people. I'm not a generally loving all people person, but I love people who uh, I, I've hired that gets things done and do things on time and, you know, all the other good stuff. Sure. Um, great stuff. We're running up uh, <clears throat> kind of on the end of the interview here. You're a very fast, fast talker. That's okay. 
Uh, so I have two questions for you. Um, one I ask everybody, and I bet you have a good answer for this, is uh, knowing what you know now, and if you could go back in time to when you first started your business, what is mm. one, one piece of advice you'd give yourself? Uh, don't try to copy corporate. <laughs> I feel like when I started my agency, I'm like, Ooh, you get a salary and you get a salary and you get a W2 and we're all just all the benefits. I'm like, what in the actual hell was I thinking? Um, I have certainly embraced all employment types way more than I thought that I needed to. So whether you're a fractional 1099, mm. uh, intern, I embrace all the variety, especially, especially now after COVID, after this pandemic and every, the virtual economy being the way that it is, the goal shouldn't be to race towards everybody becoming an employee that doesn't actually make anybody stickier. Yeah. You just being a good leader and somebody really enjoyable to work with will have you have an employee for a long time and, or a contractor for a long time. Yeah. Great. Um, Veronica, you have been wonderful. If people want to get, get sure. in touch with you and your agency, where can they find, follow, and learn more about you? I am everywhere just as myself. I'm on veronicaromney.com and then social media wise is just vromney everywhere. Okay. Well, thanks so much for being on the show. We really appreciate your time today. Thank you. 